Good morning, everyone. We are in week six of this series, B-Sides. For those of you who don't know me, or maybe you're checking out Bethany for the very first time this morning, hey, welcome. My name is Dave, and I'm the youth and young adults pastor here. I'm married to Steph, and we've got two beautiful young kids, Nash and Chloe. For those of you who do know me, it's really awesome to see your faces again. B-Sides. I don't know about you, but there was always something exciting when a band released a new single. Now, for some of you, that single was on vinyl. Others, it was cassette. And for myself, it was the good old-fashioned CD. But that single, it always had some extra tracks on it that, that probably weren't going to make the final cut of the album unless there was this huge soar in popularity. The B-side, a secondary recording that typically receives less attention, yet can be just as successful as the A-side. We Will Rock You by Queen was the B-side to We Are The Champions in 1977. And no, I was not born yet. I was probably not even an idea of my parents yet. But if you ask me, it's not so much of a B-side. Everyone knows that beat. I love what Pastor Andrew said at the very, very beginning of this summer series, that in this series we will explore some of the lesser known stories because they all point to Jesus. They can teach us and form us as we learn how our story intersects with God's story. So this morning we are diving into the life of Elijah, but now a little bit of a profile before we start. He was the first in a long line of prophets that God would send to Israel and Judah, regions that had no faithful kings throughout its entire history. And over the following 300 years, God would use men and women to lead and encourage people to turn back towards God. Elijah's single-minded commitment to God is mind-blowing when you dig a little deeper. He was sent to confront, not comfort. He chose to jump in on his mission alone, and he would later pay that price of total isolation. So I have a question to start off this morning. Have you ever felt an adrenaline rush? Last week, we took a bunch of students to Canada's Wonderland for the day. Talk about an adrenaline rush. Your heart is racing, your breath quickens, you start to shake a little bit, your palms are sweaty. And that was just in the booking process for myself. So I do not do roller coasters, period. But I am very thankful that as part of the family life team this summer, we've got three incredible staff. They jumped in along with our students to take them to Wonderland along with an incredible volunteer. So thank you to them for allowing me to keep my feet on solid ground. I mean, I love the feeling of that surge of adrenaline running through your veins. I love going fast. The fast turns all the feels when I'm in control. The really neat thing about adrenaline is that, that while it can be unsettling and a little bit of an out-of-body experience, it is actually a good thing. It takes over, it puts a pause on our body's ability to feel fear, to feel pain, to feel exhaustion. It allows us to complete tasks that almost seem impossible. It pushes us over the edge when it comes to facing things that we did not know that we could do or get through. To me, it sounds like a pretty good thing, right? Yet, it has its downside. There is this phrase, fight or flight. Now, as an oldest with three younger siblings, I am protective of them. As a husband to Steph and a father to Nash and Chloe, I am protective of them. 
God did not wire me with the flight option. I am all fight fueled by adrenaline. I do not like to give up on things. I do not like to fail at things. And when I do, it hurts. I feel like I've let myself down. I feel like I've let others around me down. But when we have a project or a task that needs to be done and requires a huge amount of energy, ours on end being powered by adrenaline, once we achieve that task, there's the thing called the letdown. The space where we go, did that just happen? I am exhausted and I need a rest. A quick story about the letdown. At the cottage a few weeks ago, there is this pet show, this animal show. And as the crowd disperses once the show is over, I just assume that Nash is standing right next to me. I look around and he is nowhere to be seen. The family jumps in, the adrenaline kicks in, and we spread across the camp just to try and find Nash. We find him. Turns out that he had followed another family, thinking it was Steph and I. And then he discovered a lighthouse, and he is so chuffed with himself. With a bowl of popcorn in hand and his little blue Baja Patrol sandals on, we have our Nash back. It is the space where we sit and think through what we have achieved or faced. For some of us, it is needing a space of sleep. Others, it is needing a space of stillness, needing food, needing TV, just needing space, needing to just sit. For me, my letdown, that was giving Nash the biggest hug I could physically give him without letting any of the oxygen out of his lungs. These are all good things to do in this space after we have worked our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally. We need rest because rest, it restores us to take on the next challenge. But there are times where we go to the extreme. Rest becomes the default space that we sit in and it becomes part of a new daily routine. Priscilla Shire puts it this way, we crash. We spiral into an emotional tailspin, becoming obsessively self-critical and hypersensitive, crippled by insecurity, giving in to overindulgence, loneliness, and even paralyzing sadness. We become vulnerable. When we sit in this space, the letdown of adrenaline, it can open a crack for the enemy to get into our heart to give the enemy unique access to the driving seat of our mind. I think this is the exact space that Elijah sits in. He has endured an adrenaline rush for years. He set out to prove to Ahab that the only Lord is God. He kills false prophets and then he flees, all fueled by adrenaline. So 1 Kings 19 is the beginning of his impending crash. Because up until this point in his ministry, his life has been one extreme situation after another. So there's no wonder that this is the chapter that is the space after the adrenaline. Because even those that God has appointed to do his work are still human beings that have ups and downs. So 1 Kings 19 verse 1, Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. 
the gods will get you for this and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I am ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looked around and to his surprise right by his head were a loaf of baked bread on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. Then the angel of God came back, shook him awake and said, get up and eat some more. You have a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate and drank his fill and set out. Nourished by the meal, he walked 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Pretty heavy, right? Elijah, a man who stood down from nothing, who ran six miles back into the city to give Ahab a second chance to, to turn from his sins, after the arrival of this huge rainstorm, ran for dear life. We can see that God is very much still in the middle of this. He hasn't just dropped Elijah. But this man once, courageous, fearless, a prayer warrior prophet, is now a very different person. He is fragile, insecure, depressed, and fearful. The enemy, Jezebel, sees the exhaustion, sees that he is, in fact, emotionally empty. She uses this to her advantage and sends him a message. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. This message not only gets through to Elijah, but he starts to believe it. I mean, I can see why. After two huge spiritual victories, the defeat of the prophets of Baal and the answered prayer of rain, we often see discouragement after great experiences. And even more so when they require so much physical or emotional effort. How often do you believe the message that the enemy says about you? Because at the age of 13, no one tells you that in 20 years' time, that you'll be happily married to an incredible wife with two beautiful kids. That you'll be in a secure job that you've been longing for for years and fulfilled the dream of moving to Canada. But they also don't tell you that the next 20 years will be tough, that they will hurt, that they will test every ounce of faith that you have, that they will bring you to a point of desperation. They will be filled with pain suffering and take you on a long road of recovery. I don't know how often I listen to what the enemy says about me, whether it is those that I interact with, those that are around me, or the devil himself sitting in the driving seat of my mind. To this day, I still struggle what, I, what others think about me. Not only do I hear the message, but I start to believe it. I sit in self-doubt. I beat myself up. I have sat in that space of Elijah's prayer. Words, they carry so much weight. Just look what Jezebel did. 
She didn't send a hitman. She wasn't going to do the deed herself. She sent a message. She knew the threat of death would carry so much more of a punch and be a worse space to sit in than death itself. Her words were enough to derail, to discourage Elijah to the point of him wanting to take his own life. First Peter 5 verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Whoever, whatever your enemy is, they have assumed a posture of menace and threat with the intention of breaking you down. The lies that you are told and start to believe, that is the enemy trying to discourage you, to leave you hopeless, to have you walk away from everything, to ditch your faith. Elijah is in this space. But watch what God does. He lets him rest and eat. He lets him rest and eat. Rest and eat. Before God has the conversation of what is next, before he tells Elijah what he has to do, he does one thing. He cares for him. How a simple act changes things. I often wonder how many times that we see people at a low point in their life. The first thing we think about is giving them advice on how we can help them fix things. We attach our agenda to them. We start off with advice when people are in a difficult spot, when maybe what they need is a casserole. God provides Elijah with hot bread and water. The point after the adrenaline wears off, he needs rest. Not advice for the next part of the journey. God sees that. God sees that he needs rest before he can continue. So in your circle, who is your Elijah that needs some rejuvenation before advice? I have sat on both sides of this question before. I've been quick to offer advice when advice isn't really what they need. They need rest. They need cared for. They need rejuvenation. I've missed the mark on caring for people because I think my advice is the best thing to attach to them. But I've also sat on the space of needing rejuvenation, not advice. And sometimes when you need rejuvenation and not advice, but you get advice, it makes the situation worse. It's harder to see a way out. The God that cared for Elijah, that saw where he is sitting, saw what he needed. Yeah, that is the same God that cares for us. We get to experience that. This morning, I do not know where you are at in your life, but I do know that you can never reach a place where you are too far gone from the reach of the Father's love, grace, and mercy. No matter how bleak prospects look, no matter how dry the desert feels, God is right there caring for us in the way that we need. Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24 say, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Heaven finds us no matter where we are. Story of Elijah. It gives me great hope that God is in control. 
God sees things that I do not see from my narrow point of view. I am loved more than I will ever know this on this side of heaven. That love is for everyone. What would life look like if we had the courage that Elijah had to follow God's leading and trust his purposes? I have sat in seats and listened to many people speak before and been like, yeah, that is cool, but you have no idea how broken my heart is. You have no idea what I'm going through today. You have no idea what my week has been like. And today, that is flipped. I do not know where your life is at, but I do know where my life has been. You see, for a long time, I spent long periods in in a drought-filled land. My teenage years were filled with hurt, with loneliness, with darkness, isolation. For years, I struggled in silence with suicide and self-harm. Today, I am thankful that we have people like Laura Humphreys and her incredible team that are breaking down the walls of the stigma of mental health. And they are not doing it quietly. You see, we are a church that cares for adults, teens, and kids. Journeys with as they navigate mental health. It is incredible. Because can we just agree that life is not always plain sailing? We need community. There is a song that on the bad days that I've had in the last few months, because I still have them because I am not perfect by any means, that I've been meditating on. Now, it is from the secular world, but I think the lyrics are so powerful. It's hard to get up out of bed when everything is on its head and nothing seems to make any sense. Like a band-aid on a bleeding heart, I fake a smile and fall apart and no one ever knows I'm a wreck. When the world is on your shoulders and the weight of your own heart is too much to bear. Well, I know you're afraid things will always be this way. It's just a bad day, not a bad life. How many of us sit in the space of the world's weight on our shoulders? Maybe it's relationships, finances, mental health, a diagnosis. In the midst of our wilderness, it is so hard to feel like you're going to come out the other side. I remind myself in the hard moments, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. I do feel like some days I need that carved on the inside of my eyelids so that I can constantly see it. But this morning I want to give us some practical things to do, not advice, but things that you can choose to do for yourself. Because I believe that self-care is important. I also believe that we do not do enough of it. My self-care is going to look different for everyone. So this morning I need you to promise that you're not going to be quick to judge when someone else's self-care looks different than your self-care. Because introverts and extroverts are different. And that's okay. We are a church of many generations. So stages of life are different. And that is okay. People are just different. Which means interests are different. And that is okay. So it's not always going to be walks in the forest. Maybe it's having people over for a meal and hanging out. Maybe it's not always meditating in prayer, but it's just a good old-fashioned Netflix binge one day. 
It's not always time reading a book. It's having life-giving conversations with other human beings. We need to be taking time to rest because it is okay to slow down. Craig Rochelle has this quote, and I think it makes sense. Many of you just aren't just tired, you're depleted. There's a really big difference between being tired and being depleted. If you're tired, you can take a nap. If you're depleted, you need to refill. You need to take a significant amount of time doing things that replenish you. So I want to leave us with three things this morning. Brace yourself against the enemy's message. Self-care is important and looks different for everyone. And never underestimate the power of a nap. Brace yourself against the enemy's message. We live in a world where there are so many voices telling us what we should do. Which ones are you listening to? Self-care is important and looks different for everyone. Take time this week to do something that refills you. Something that brings you joy. Life is busy, I get it. I'm a parent of two young kids. Sometimes finding 30 minutes is all you're going to find. And if 30 minutes is all you can find to refill, well, it's 30 minutes more than zero minutes, right? So make that a priority this week. Find time to refill your tank. And never underestimate the power of a nap. I know firsthand what a nap does for my kids. Any parents want to say amen to that? It turns a bad day into a good day or uh, I can just get through this day. So take a nap this week. Uh, like Elijah did enough of it in this season, so why can't we? The road that you're on, even one that goes off onto the beaten track, is a road that can lead you back to Jesus. Doesn't seem like it. But Jesus in his redemptive grace allows us to move forward glowing with beauty and brilliance of a divine encounter. The road that you're on, it leads to the mountain of God. And it is no surprise that he is already there waiting for you. Jesus, I just thank you that you are, you're in control. That whatever we are going through, you have not dropped us. And that is evident by the story of Elijah what he goes through, the adrenaline that he sits in and the letdown afterwards, you are right there. So would this week, regardless of where we find ourselves, would we create space to rest and eat for ourselves and for those around us? Would we be quick to offer people help in rejuvenating rather than being first to jump on with advice. Lord, we just thank you that you're in the midst of everything we do. You may pray. Amen. Elijah, he sat in the presence of God and this morning we have an opportunity to sit and be with Jesus. As we take communion this morning, what is on your heart that you need to share with Jesus? What message are you listening to that you need to stop believing? Because this is the table not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love him, those who want to love him more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often, 
you who have not been here in a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and you who have stumbled, I look at those Jesus sat with, Judas who would betray him, still welcome. Peter who would deny him, still welcome. And Thomas who would doubt his resurrection, still welcome. If these three people are welcome, I believe that we are also welcome to sit at this table. Come not because the church invites you, but rather Jesus invites you to meet him here. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed that this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Jesus, what an ultimate sacrifice that your body would be broken for us. That you would sit on that cross knowing full well where we would each end up in our lives. So Jesus, for that, we thank you. Amen. Let's eat. Then after supper, Jesus took another cup of wine and said, This wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you. An agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that your blood was for our sin. Lord, what you went through just to save us is mind-blowing. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that great sacrifice that you made so that we could have eternal life. Amen. Let's drink together. Well, that is a wrap on another incredible Sunday here at Bethany. I am so glad that you have joined us here this morning and that we get to do life together in community. So three things to remember this morning. Brace yourself against the enemy's message. Self-care is important and it looks a little different for everyone. And never underestimate the power of a nap. Now it is a Sunday and who doesn't love a good Sunday afternoon nap? So take advantage of it. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to check out the website for everything happening here at Bethany this week. We'll see you back here next Sunday for another week of the B-Sides. Take care, guys.